0: All right. So I got another one. Uh, it drives me crazy. I get these emails and um, uh, I I am not driving a Lambo 10 days later, Sean. Something they must be wrong. Me, You're doing it wrong. Promise me my Lambo. And in <laughs> you know, in 10 days, it, it's going <laughs> to be magic. Uh, and so here we are, cold outreach. How's that going?
1: <laughs> yes. I want to talk about that. Before, before that, let's talk about Lambos. That... <laughs> Reminds me of a hilarious experience I had where someone I used to work with was like, You got to come to this business event. It's going to change your life. And I couldn't help it. I knew what it was going to be in the back of my mind, <laughs> but I went anyway. And it turned out to be a very obvious, painfully obvious multi level marketing scheme. But the whole experience was just hilarious. It was such an experience. Like it was very hush hush. Nobody would tell you what was actually going to happen. Eventually, it's just a room full of people. Wearing what they think successful people wear, I guess. And someone up on stage with a microphone, literally flashing images of like high-end sports cars, whatever, villas, <laughs> exotic vacations, <laughs> like the Caribbean. Slide
0: number three is going to be the the winner here.
1: It was the sleaziest thing I think I ever saw. And they were talking about how rich we were going to be because we were selling whatever whatever snake oil they were peddling at the moment. I don't even remember what the product was, berries or timeshares or something, but it just constantly reminds me of, and the cold outreach piece to me feels like that experience. Like I'm reliving those horrible experiences every time. And I want to talk for a moment about why they're so attractive. I think it's because they they promise something that people think they want, right? But they're focusing on all the wrong things. But I think what it really is about is they they try to communicate the fact that you've been missing something obvious or there's a quick fix, right? There's, there's a quick fix. It's like a pop this pill and I'm going to be the best shape of my life kind of thing. Like anyone can promise anything. Um, but for the most part, most of like, that's where the saying, obviously if it seems too good to be true, it probably is comes from.
0: Well, we run into this all the time, right. As marketers, because, Um, You you want to compel value, right? You want to share like, hey, look, we we can legit solve your problem. And folks are looking for that magic pill. So there's this kind of perpetual conflict as a marketer. Like, how do you deal with the fact that folks want it to be taken care of or simple or quick or whatever? Um, But... They don't necessarily want to do the work to make all of those things happen. Or once they get in, they've been scammed out of their hard-earned money and then off they go. So like that that balance is built into kind of the marketing landscape broadly. So how do you deal with it?
1: I think the first thing to keep in mind here is like you're not just looking for easy. Easy may be a component to like efficiency in terms of you want something that. Can do, can produce results, but do so without cannibalizing all your time. I think that's a better approach, but that's not the end goal. And I love starting with the end goal in mind. Like, what are you trying to do? I'm trying to connect with more people that need my help, right? In other words, lead gen, demand gen, whatever you want to call it. I need to find more people that need what it is that we do, that have the problems for which we solve. And if I can do that in a systematic way, build some kind of a process, then I can grow. I think that's it. Really, when you boil it down to brass tacks in its most simple format, the problem and where people go sideways is the solutions that they attempt to kind of crack that nut. And that's where this, I call it the spray and pray method of cold outreach comes from. And to me, that is beyond dead. Like it's been on life support for so long, nobody can even remember it ever having been alive. <laughs> so I want to steer as many people away from that as possible. And we could talk about why that doesn't work. And I'm sure almost everyone here listening, if not everyone has had this experience and is probably getting spammed on the regular with something like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it before though, guys on LinkedIn, like, oh man, I really love your stuff. I want to be your friend. And the moment you're like, okay, let's be friends. They're like, ha another love fish is on the line. Congratulations. Where would you like the hook inserted? And like that whole approach, while it's awful, right? Um, it works enough that people keep doing. It. So it also damages, I think, the entire market space. Like if you look at all of that stuff, now I got to compete with all these other jerks that are doing this essentially duplicitous, horrible stuff. How can I, in an environment where, you know, the signal to noise ratio is outrageously low, how can I, you know, do the right stuff and put myself, position myself immediately as somebody who's not um, not trying to win the wrong way or sell that magic pill?
1: Great question. That's really the million dollar question. And my opinion, right, to exactly what you said, you have to figure out how to stand out from the crowd. First things first, don't do what they're doing. Skip the generic mass outreach, spray and pray nonsense. At minimum here, you have to go personalized, right? Whatever you're writing to somebody, it's got to feel like it's written for them. And the more it becomes a one-on-one type as and this couldn't have been sent to anyone else, the higher the probability that you're actually going to be able to take the next step, right? Because the spray and pray thing, everybody's radar is like tuned into this stuff for the most part, to the extent where I don't even know why people are still doing it, but they still are. If they're getting any results from it, it's got to be done luck. So um, in this case, first things first, it's like, skip the mass outreach. Like You can still build a process around these things, but it's gotta be personalized. It's gotta be about the person you're reaching out to. And the tighter you are with all the variables, who you're reaching out to, why you're reaching out to them, what they might need help with, or a problem that you think they might have, based on a track record of success and a history of working with these people, gives you the ability to increase the efficiency here. But the first step is always effectiveness, right? If you're throwing all this money down well, or you've turned on this automation to send hundreds or thousands of messages but it's not really giving you anything in return what is the point like you're only making things worse so stop that first design a process to be effective then work on some efficiency and the first step in that process in my opinion is design something that is personalized right and people the thing that people immediately jump to when they think of this as the advice is that's going to take me forever i'm have to spend all day every day doing this stuff that's not the case right we can talk about sustainability. And I think that comes from carve out a portion of your day to do this, not the whole day, right? Because I very much am an advocate for do a little bit over a long period of time, as opposed to all of it at once, right? All of it at once is very oftentimes ineffective for almost anything, right? You can't jump to the beach bod or you can't lose all the weight at once. Like none of that kind of stuff works there yet either. And even if you can, Sounds pretty dangerous. (laughs) So let's get rid of that risk. Let's build something that's sustainable. And it starts by designing a process that you know is effective. And if you're doing cold outreach, which I think can still work, but you can't do it the way most people do it, you have to do it in a personalized way.
0: So I want to take the personalization to the next step. And I think it's important as well then to understand that um, we're no longer in a place where um, the pitch is enough, right? Right. You have to deliver value right out of the gate Definitely. to a relative stranger. And that delivery of value um, has to essentially be accessible. So, um, we, you know, we don't talk ex- about accessibility much in terms of this kind of stuff, but you have no idea what level your prospect might be playing at, if they are a seasoned expert in the field, or if they know your favorite piece of jargon, if they understand your abbreviation. So accessibility has to be built in and value has to be built into that messaging as well. It's not enough to be like, hey, listen, I know about the you know the, all the challenges you're going on in your business. Congrats on landing that new client or what have you. It's gotta be, here's something that I think then can help you if you want, let's talk it out. I think that offer for help and that value delivery becomes vital to the next sort of step in crafting those outreach campaigns.
1: Definitely. The value is really the key here is how can you basically provide something for who you're reaching out to, right? And it's not, here's all of the magic. Here's the magic pill. If you give me a million dollars that I can provide for you, right? That people couldn't possibly be more tuned out to stuff like that. It's, something that is actually going to help them with something or is something that they to your point value right whether that be inviting them to be a guest on your podcast we could talk about and break down why these things are valuable or if it's offering them something for free right whatever it is i've been out i've I've received some outreach and the stuff that's um in in terms of what has been better is like Can I offer you this paid gift card or this or whatever? Can I buy you a coffee? Can I do whatever it is? Right. Like at least they're experimenting and trying to innovate in ways that they're actually got some skin in the game. They're looking at providing things, right? And that's very different than wall of text. Here's all the amazing things about me. It's value, but it's also very much about them. You got to figure out like what would what would motivate them to respond and respond in a positive way with interest to opening up a line of communication with you. Got to stay focused on that as the objective. You're not trying to go immediately to a sale. Even if you could, or even if you find the right person, what are the chances that this moment, they're looking for that solution, right? Needle on a haystack approach. So you're, the stakes are way too high, even if it did work. Um, so instead, right, build a relationship. How do you build a relationship? Will you lead with value, right? For the most part, no one would really walk up to anybody in person just... Just rattle off a bunch of nonsense about what it is they can they're selling. <laughs> how would anybody in person respond to something like that? So this is what I've I been in 38 years in my- the
0: business. Buy my stuff right now, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, what oh. do you
1: want to buy from what I'm selling? Oh, hi. By the way, my name's Sean. Like that's not how anyone would react or uh, interact with someone in person. So think about it from that perspective. Like, what would you open up a conversation with? You're trying to capture someone's attention. But provide them with something of value, right? You want to build a relationship with them. How do you do that in person? Translate that to your online sources as well.
0: So there's there's a lot of mechanics here, and I, I you know we'll cover this in future episodes for sure. But um, so so first things first, to kind of uh, just put it in context, right? You want to personalize your outreach. You want to offer something that has value. Um, and then from there, you want to make sure that your credibility indicators are lined up, right? You don't want to say, "Okay, look, I have now, you know, sent you this great resource that can help you with wherever you're at," um, and you know, also, uh, I run a plumbing company, and it's completely irrelevant, right? So that those credibility indicators along the way. Um, and we could talk about little things like obvious stuff in the digital marketing domain, right? Your email, your email address can't be, you know, ThunderLizard258 at Gmail. That's not going to get you, like, oh, this is a really warm outreach. But uh, what business is he with again? So those, um, you know, if you're if you're going through, right? It's it's the personalization, it's the value, and then it's making sure that during that process, you're not setting up the red flags. So what are some like, you know, and I know you've seen a ton and I've seen uh, my fair share as well. What are some of the red flag things that you see a lot of people do that we can they can uh, avoid as by virtue of listening to what we have said?
1: So first and foremost, I would skip almost all automation when it comes to this process, especially in the beginning, until you are able to prove the process that you are building to be effective. Right. Again, start with the end in mind what it is you'd like to do. I want to build relationships with these people in this target market so I can open up a conversation about X, right? Whatever it is that we do, whatever it is they may need. If you're working backwards from that, then the first thing to do is to just like slow down, right? Because you want to pay more attention to the steps that you're investing in from the beginning to make sure they're working, right? Because trying to scale something infinitely that doesn't work is kind of beside the point, right? Defeats the purpose. So we're not looking at hardcore efficiency or scaling until we can verify effectiveness. It's very much a sequential step. So first things first, avoid anything that promises to do all of these things in an automated way, because you don't need probably thousands and thousands of people and outreach and responses anyway. You're probably looking at a handful, at least to start with, if you're building this as a new process. So as you're building it, make sure the steps work. And you could do a bunch of this stuff manually. This is actually where Podcast Chef came from. When I was first starting out of trying to solve this specific problem. As in I had tried a lead gen service, it didn't work for all the same reasons we're still talking about now. This was years ago. And I tested a bunch of different strategies for what might get people more engaged. And one of those just happened to be would you like to be a guest on my podcast? Which won out by resounding fashion. And as such, you know, the rest, so as we say, is history. We've built multiple shows, including this one using the same strategy. And that's what we do for our clients. So figuring out what your target market what will resonate with your target market and get you the kind of response that you're looking for so you can start that relationship off on the right foot is really the play here. But the first thing I'd say is like, skip the automation at least in the beginning, maybe for good, but at least in the beginning so that you can prevent yourself from making a bad mistake worse by trying to do something you shouldn't be doing at like crazy volume or a much greater level of scale. And like skip the efficiency thing first, because first and foremost, you need to make sure that your process is effective. Can the process that you're following, which in the beginning can totally be done manually on a much smaller scale, can it get you the outcomes that you're looking for? If it can, great. Then and only then is the time to start looking at potentially making it more efficient or delegating it or whatever.
0: Right. And so when we start talking about some of the uh, the initial sort of value offerings you know being on a podcast, here's a template, here's an ebook here's some things that you could use here's you know participate in this research study and we'll give you the results. There's tons of different avenues for creating that value um, the the important then with that credibility indicator stuff with going into like um, so how does this look when you receive it um, you, you know first things first um, I'll, I'll tell you right now something that's worked absolutely well for for us, uh, I think, is we're just super sincere about the message. Like, listen, I don't know if this is a fit. Like, I'm reaching out because you seem like you might be into what we're doing. If it's not a fit, that's okay. Like, there's no harm, no foul. Uh, And right now, I'm not selling anything. Like, there is no conversation here uh, that's a sales conversation. I think this would be great for you, and it'd be great for us at the same time. Being super transparent with a lot of the communications when it comes to this um, is going to help you increase your credibility. And that increase in credibility increases trust, which gets you to the next step. So when you talk about the end in mind, um, it's really important to understand what the end is. And the end is not a closed sale. The end is the start of the conversation. I need FaceTime. I need uh, some level of interaction. And so I need to satisfy in the same way, uh, you know, a dating profile, you can't put like all of your creeper stuff on there. That's not going to work, right? You're not going to get the first date with that. Um, I'm not going to get a first date with an email that says, oh yes, I can't wait to meet you so I can then sell you all my stuff, right? That's not going to work. It's got to be like, hey, listen, uh, I don't know if we have a match. But you look like somebody that would be into what we're doing. And so let's talk.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's such a great point. I really want to reinforce that one. I don't think the end goal in mind should be a closed sale either. And if you set it up in that way, I think it gets everything started on the wrong foot. Yep. If instead you're thinking, I want to build a relationship with this person who's in our target market, that pays dividends potentially forever, especially if you lead building that relationship off by investing in it, right? That's what they tell you when it comes to networking. It's just like, for whatever reason, the same principles that everyone gets taught when it comes to networking and for people that have effectively built networks like you and I, with people typically in person, those principles just seem to disappear for whatever reason when people are trying cold outreach. And it's like, why would you abandon what you know you have tried and that clearly has worked and been effective to a certain extent uh, when it comes to trying to replicate those results, doing something differently at a different level of scale, that is beyond me. But that is a huge missed opportunity. But if you are working from the end result being a closed deal, especially with cold outreach, your performance is just likely to be terrible. As, and for the sole reason, even if it, you're not thinking of it in terms of it's the right thing to do, which it clearly is. Um, think about it from the perspective of what are the chances that you're going to find the right person in the right target market who needs whatever it is that you do. And at that exact time that you've reached out to them, like if you add all of those combinations up. Time, scope and budget, right? Like, (laughs) Yeah, literally, like everything's lined up perfectly. Thank God I had this. I was sending thousands of messages today. I happen to hit the lottery again, right? Like it's basically hitting the lottery. Instead, a much, much better approach that increases your return over time in a major way. This is a big part of our process of podcast chef is like get them in your network, keep them in your network. That's the value is like, get them in your network to build a relationship, invest in them, and then continue to keep them in your network, keep your network alive. And that's to keep you like they know about you. They know what you do. If and when they need that help, they may come to you. But for a million reasons that we just went into, that time is highly unlikely now, if ever, for this individual. But you want them to think of you if and when that does become the right time. And we've seen that time and time again from all the strategies that we invest in. So. Get them in your network, offer them value, and keep them in your network. Right. And then, if you keep them in your network, you dramatically extend that time horizon in terms of your ability to get return potentially back from that relationship if and when that individual needs what it is that you do because the timing, budget, whatever has finally lined up, or they know someone who has that need, which they act as an extension of your business development and sales efforts. Even better, additionally increased return. But because you stay top of mind for them, because you have a strong relationship with them, now they're thinking of you and they're going to be an advocate for you in the form of a referral partner.
0: And that, that reminds me of one kind of uh, parting shot as we start to wrap the episode here. And that is, um, don't be afraid when you're building those relationships to send folks somewhere else. Um, You know, we talk about credibility indicators. If you're genuinely there to help, you have to understand as an owner or as a service provider or whatever your offering is, you might not be the right answer. And so it is vitally important to cultivate relationships as well with um, folks in maybe your competition or at the very least understand what that landscape looks like. So you can say, listen, uh, this is I'm not the right answer here. And that again, this credibility indicator stuff, this building trust conversation, um, it, it it's something that you know we'll we'll talk about this over and over and over again because it's so vital to being successful in your marketing campaigns. Is that trust relationship? Um, being able to say no, we don't have a match. Being able to say no, this is um, this is the wrong time for you to do this, right? It's not in, in your journey. There's five other steps that have to happen before this. I'd love to take your money, but to do that would be absolutely wasteful for both of us. That,
1: um, <laughs> it's like it's time to wrap the episode
0: <laughs> guest host, Jake, the dog. Um, so that, um, that whole mechanic, uh, then will um, help you along and make sure that the, you're building those trusting relationships right out of the gate. Uh, and it takes it it takes a, a an understanding that um, because your goal long term, your strategic objective is sales, and you're using cold outreach as a tactic to build relationships, which then result in sales. Um, it do, it doesn't make the cold outreach and sales the same objective. Well said. Hey, you. Yes, you. It's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet, or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, we will talk to you about that uh, for free. We'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck, uh, whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do? Uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes, or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks. Hi, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, our website, podcastchef.com, has a ton of useful information about how to best leverage podcasting to help you solve some of your business goals and challenges. You can also schedule a demo uh, where we can show you how specifically podcast chef and our team can help you with some of your podcasting goals. Thanks.